0: Hi there. Welcome to Lakeridge Community Church Podcast. This is a place where we get to share uh, some of our messages from Sunday mornings. Um, We're glad that you're here to listen. We'd also love to have you in person. So if you'd like to uh, pop in some Sunday, we meet at 1030 at Our Lady of Wisdom School here in Chester. You can obviously check us out as well at uh, www.chester.com.
1: Good morning, friends. My name is Preston, and uh, looking forward to the next 20 or so minutes that we get to be together uh, to explore God's Word and pay attention to what God is speaking into each of our lives. At the end of my message, I'm going to be leading us in a time of communion. Uh, We're going to be doing it a little bit differently. Of course, it's just me here in my basement, and it's you wherever you are. Maybe you're wearing your jammies this Sunday morning. That's all good. Wherever we are, we can meet. And so I encourage you before our message to go and find something I have. A cup with some water in, you can have juice. It's Sunday morning, you could have some some wine too, whatever. And uh, I got a cracker here. And so uh, I encourage you, whatever you want to bring to this table, the body and blood of Jesus, we're going to remember something. And we're going to lead up to it in our message this morning. So welcome, welcome. Hey, we are on this journey called Lent. It's a season in the church year that leads up until Easter, and it's a time where we're paying attention. It's sometimes somber, it's sometimes uh, reflective, pensive, all those things, uh, but really it is a time for us to pay attention to what God is doing in us. And when we pay attention to what God's doing in us, we're also paying attention to who God is and what God is up to. So this morning, uh, we're carrying on for our sermon series called Again and Again. And it's built on this premise that God, who we meet in Jesus, is pursuing us again and again because he loves us. Because he wants us. And we're going to pay attention to a whole lot of themes around this pursuing God this morning. And so today we are talking about this picture of God loves first. God Loves First, in this pursuing image. Francis Thompson uh, was a poet, and uh, we are going to take a look at four different pictures of God's pursuing love. And the first one is this one from Francis Thompson. He he, he wrote this poem called Hound of Heaven. It's this picture of God pursuing us like a hound. It was a, it was a very odd image when, when he wrote this. But listen to the piece of this poem. It says this. I fled him down the nights and down the days. I fled him down the arches of the years. I fled him down the labyrinthine ways of my own mind and in the midst of tears. I hid from him and under running laughter. Up-visted hopes I sped and shot precipitated down titanic glooms of chasmed fears from those strong feet that followed, followed after. It's this picture of this hound chasing and finding this poet. And the poem goes on, and it's, and it's really a lush poem if you ever get a chance to read it. Hound of heaven. But this is this picture of God pursuing the hound of heaven. Jesus shared a similar story when he told a story that we have come to call the prodigal son. It's a story of a son who takes a whole lot of things from his dad, says, I want my inheritance, and he is off, and he wastes it. Just wastes it. And he decides after he's just living in a ditch, feeding pigs, that he's going to come home. And who does he encounter as he's coming home? Jesus tells this story that as he's a long ways off, the father sees him and charges after him. Embraces him and welcomes him home. We we call this the prodigal son, but it should be the prodigal father. The father who breaks away to run and capture his son. Bring him in back home. Not only does he bring him home, but when he brings him home, he he puts a robe around him. He sets a table for him and calls for a great feast. This is what God is doing. His love is pursuing us, but it's to bring us home and to bring us around a table. There's two ways that we talk about God, even in the Old Testament. The Old Testament has many names for for God, just like Jesus, Prince of Peace, King of Kings. We see God uh, given a lot of names. But there's a few, there's two here that I think are really interesting, two that we don't use very often. One is uh, a Hebrew name for God, and it says Elkanah. It means jealous God. In Exodus 23, it says, You shall have no other gods before me. We encounter this revelation of God in the Old Testament, this jealous God, Elkanah. Now, it's different, I think, this jealousy of God is different than the jealousy that you and I might feel when we see somebody that might have something better than us uh, this kind of coveting jealousy. This jealousy that gets inside and eats away at us. Now the jealousy of God's a little bit different I think. When we look at scripture we see God who finds his people over again and again stuck somewhere. They're in the darkness. And I think God is jealous of that. God is like I you weren't made to be apart on the edge on the sidelines, buried, um, wasting away. No, no, no. I'm jealous for you, this Elkanah God. I'm jealous for you because I want you to be mine. I want you to be back with me. I want you to be at my table. Not eating at the table of pigs, but eating at my table. And so this jealous God, Elkanah, we see over and over again, going out and finding and bringing back his children who he loves. Another name for for God is Jehovah-Rohi, the Lord is my shepherd. The Psalms paint this picture. Uh, David often, I think because he was a shepherd, he would often refer to God in this way. Jehovah-Rohi, God is my shepherd. Psalm 103 says this, It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people and the people of his pasture. I love that. He who made us. And we are his, we are his people, and the people of his pasture. He is the shepherd. We belong in his field, in, in his family, in his flock, nowhere else. Psalm 23, I think, unpacks this picture so beautifully of God as being this shepherd. And in Psalm 23, we just hear the story of this shepherd who walks his sheep through dark valleys, and then sets a table for them. Again, always ending around a table. Uh, I got a version of Psalm 23 that that we're going to read and take a look at, uh, but, it's, um, but it's read by David Suchet. Uh, he is a British actor, and I just think that this version is, is great. So follow along. Psalm 23.
2: Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing.
1: You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the pursuing God, the hound of heaven, the jealous God, the prodigal father who goes out and finds and brings back, puts a robe on and says, You are welcome at this table. My love brought you from a place that was far away, To a place that is near. I see you. I know you. And this is who I am. And what I do with my children. We are found from a God who can't abide another moment of us being in darkness. He brings light. And he does it on his own accord. Taking on the full cost of what it means to redeem us on himself. So that we can be at his table again. This is beautiful. Beautiful picture of what God does in us. So we see this picture of this God entering into another story. John chapter 3 is this beautiful, beautiful encounter between Jesus and a man named Nicodemus. A moment when God, Jesus, enters into Nicodemus's story and it's captured forever in this beautiful picture. So remember, this in Jesus, we now know on the outset that this Jesus is, is, is the same God who we meet in Exodus, <laughs> this jealous God. It's the same God who is the one who we meet in Psalm 23, who is the shepherd walking his uh, sheep through a dark place. It is the same God who is the prodigal father, chasing his son and bringing him home. And so now, this God, Jesus, he encounters Nicodemus. Nicodemus is this person who's featured three times in the Gospel of John. He is this Pharisee. He's a member of the ruling class, the Sanhedrin, who oversee the temple. They make sure everything's right. The people are believing the right thing, worshipping in the right way. And yet, here he is, curious, deeply curious on the life of Jesus. He, He meets Jesus in the night, seemingly secretly. He later will defend Jesus to his colleagues uh, as they even try to mock Nicodemus. And then when it's all over, Jesus dies. Nicodemus shows up in the story one last time. brings 75 pounds of spices to wrap the body of Jesus. Nicodemus, he's captured by who Jesus is. We don't know much about what happened to him after, but he shows up in these three amazing moments. And John 3 is all about him meeting Jesus. The center of John 3 is this verse. It's a verse that I memorized as a kid. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus is explaining to Nicodemus what God is doing. God's doing this again. God is coming sent his son to come into the world to save the world. Coming right into the mix, as he always has. I thought that I would do something interesting here. I'm going to show a scene. Uh, It is a recreation of John chapter 3, done by the people who created the series, The Chosen. And it's this picture of Nicodemus meeting Jesus. Now, leading up to it in this series, Nicodemus has had some encounters from a distance He's, he's kind of a few steps behind Jesus where he's seen some of the miracles that Jesus has done and he has so many questions and he wants to meet Jesus at night just in case some of his colleagues see him. And I love the way that this goes. So enjoy and pay attention to what Jesus says to Nicodemus as he's pursuing him.
0: where to start. I have so many questions. Shall we sit first? Oh, yes. slums. Hmm. Many wandering preachers have succeeded in gathering crowds with their rhetoric and fiery tone. I've heard a few of them over the years myself, so you know the type. Mm-hmm. But I have never heard anyone tell a paralytic to get up and walk, much less it actually happened. So what is your conclusion? I believe You are not acting alone. No one can do these signs you do without having God in him. Only someone who has come from God. And how is that belief going over in the synagogue? (laughs) (laughs) Which is why we are here at this hour. What else? What have you come here to show us? A kingdom. That is what our rulers are worried about. No, not that kind. Then what? A sort of kingdom that a person cannot see unless he is born again. Born again? Yes. You mean like a conversion from gentile to jewish no no that's not what i'm talking about then what is born again (sighs) i hope you don't mean return to the womb because that would be a problem for me my mother may she rest in peace is dead truly i say to you unless one is born of water and the spirit he cannot enter the kingdom of god that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit that part of you that is what must be reborn to new life how can these things be ah a teacher of israel and yet you do not understand these things i'm trying rabbi i know i know Do you hear this? What? Listen. What do you hear? The wind. How do you know it's the wind? Because I can feel it. I hear its sound. Do you know where it comes from? No. Do you know where it's going? No. That's what it is, to be born again of the spirit. The spirit may work in a way that is a mystery to you. And while you cannot see the spirit, you can recognize his effect. Mind is consumed with thoughts of what a stir these words would cause among the teachers of the law. Yes, and I do not expect otherwise. I speak of what I know and have seen, and it has not been received by the religious leaders. It is hard to receive. So if I have told you of earthly things, and you do not believe, How can I tell you heavenly things? I believe your words. I just fear you may not have a chance to speak many more of them before you are silenced. I have come to do more than speak words, Nicodemus. More miracles. Yes. But even more than that, do you remember when the children of Israel complained against God and against Moses in the wilderness of Paran? Yes. They wanted to return to Egypt, and they cursed the manna that God sent them. And then? They were bitten by serpents, and they were dying. But? But God made a way for them to be healed. Moses lifted the bronze serpent in the desert, and people only needed to look at it. So will the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Our people are not dying from snake bites; They're dying from taxation and oppression. I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I did not come to deliver the people from Rome. Then from what? From sin, from spiritual death. God loves the world in this way, that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So this has nothing to do with Rome. It's all about sin. God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, Nicodemus. He sent him to save it through him. It's as simple as Moses' serpent on the pole. Whoever believes in him will not be condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Anything like this before. Shh. When I met Lilith, Mary, that day, I told my wife and my students she was beyond human aid. Only God could have healed her. And then I saw her healed. And here you are. I, my whole life, I have wondered if I would see this day. Follow me, and you'll see more. Follow you? Join me and my students. In two days' time, we leave Capernaum. Come see the kingdom I am bringing into this world. But I... I I can't... You have a position in the Sanhedrin. You have family. You are getting advanced in years. (laughs) I understand. But the invitation is still open. The invitation to what exactly? (laughs) To lead a nomadic life? To up who I am it's true there is a lot you would give up but what you would gain is far greater and more lasting it's this another one of your born-again mysteries <laughs> uh, maybe I know mysteries aren't easy for a scholar about it hmm? take your time on the morning of the fifth day we leave and we'll meet by the well in the southern quarter is this is the kingdom of god Here and, and wonder. He could tell me nothing except that I am standing on holy.
1: beautiful again and again it's God who loves first God who meets us wherever we are at even if it's in a dark night wrestling with our doubts God is pursuing us I love that this religious leader in fear and full of questions that he came to Jesus and that Jesus met him (laughs) in the night and turned to him like God does again and again no, Jesus does meet us so often on our terms. In the night of our fears, and he says again and again, I love you. I'm jealous and I want you back. I want you to where you belong. I want you around my table. And so the t- picture of the table is something that I think is so meaningful. It was meaningful for Nicodemus, and but it was meaningful for Jesus' followers. In the hours and days actually leading up into Jesus' death on the cross, uh, Jesus gathers his followers around a table. A few days later, of course, Nicodemus would see Jesus' body dead and be wrapping him in all these spices that he bought. But a few days before, Jesus is sitting around this table, and he's sitting, uh, engaging in the Passover meal. The Passover meal was a remembrance of The story of God again and again redeeming and chasing and bringing back his people. They were in slavery in Egypt. And so the whole Passover meal is a retelling of this slavery in Egypt and God's redemption. Bringing them back. And Jesus takes this whole meal. And he says, this is my story again. When you eat of this meal... And you recount the story of God's redemption for you, the blood of a lamb over over a doorpost that saved you. This is going to be my story for you, that you and the whole world would encounter the saving grace and love of the sacrificial lamb Jesus, who dies for you. And so they recount this, and they have this meal he says, do this in remembrance of me. So today we are going to do that. We are going to have communion uh, together. And uh, if you haven't already, uh, uh, we are doing it in however you can pull this off wherever you are at. I have some water here. didn't want to open a bottle of wine. We have no grape juice. Uh, And I got a Melba toast. You can do as as you wish. Uh, But this is the, the interesting thing about is we do this uh, for a remembrance or a reconnecting to the story of God that it would be our story that the person of Jesus who rescues and saves would be the one who comes and rescues and saves us and he does it through his death and resurrection and so we participate in the death of Jesus so that we can participate also in the life and resurrection of Jesus We say we join in and so this is what christians have been doing for 2000 years and they've done it in so many different ways we sometimes have a little juice cup this big some people drink it out of a chalice in some places uh they even uh, in places where the christians are persecuted and they cannot worship openly uh, they would be arrested if they were doing this uh, activity of uh, remembering the blood and body of jesus they actually mime it they just do this with their hands, and they mime it. So however you are doing it today, I encourage you to physically do that. Whether you mime it, whether you get some water or a piece of toast or a cracker, and join us in this table. I think it's an important moment for us to pause, uh, to uh, remember what Jesus has done in his pursuit of us. So scripture goes like this. the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread, and he gave thanks for it. And he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So friends, whatever you have in front of you, we are going to uh, take the Lord's Supper together. We're going to take this bread and this cup. And so I encourage you, the body and blood of Jesus. Heavenly Father, you pursue us. We love because you first loved us and you came into our story. You pursued us and you not only found us, but you welcomed us with open arms as your children and you put around us. uh, You put on our shoulders uh, uh, clothing that says we belong to your family. you set us at a table that's full of your food. and So today we remember, we remember that you are the great pursuer, that you died so that we could have life. Lord, like Nicodemus, you meet us in the darkness and you speak our language. Lord, may we say yes to you. May we say yes to your work in our hearts and our lives. In this journey of Lent as we step day by day closer to Easter and day by day closer to longing for this pandemic to be over, Father, I pray, I pray that we would have eyes to see the way that you have given us new birth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace. He's finding you, and he loves you. Amen. Have a great week, everyone.